You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation 17 in your Bibles, and I want you to notice in verse number one, and this is a, I consider this a difficult passage. Um, some of Revelation is difficult. Uh, then some of it, I think, is a little bit easier to follow, but this would be a passage that you're going to have to stay with me. Um, we will not get through all of it, uh, but we'll get through a little bit, and I hope it'll be a help and a blessing to you uh, as we study the Word of God. Again, I want to remind you, this book of Revelation, this Bible, uh, these are not the words of uh, the Baptist uh, uh, denomination. These are not the words of a preacher. These are not the words from some college or some seminary. But we have before us, we have the very words of God. And I hope you open your heart, let God speak and give you uh, what he has for you tonight. Revelation 17, verse number 1. It says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now, verse number one, one of the seven angels that had the seven vials, it's been a few weeks since we were in Revelation 16, but those are the seven vile judgments that are poured out on planet Earth during the tribulation. Uh, there are the seven seal judgments. We've talked about those. There are the seven trumpet judgments. And then last, uh, there are the seven bowl judgments. It's the wrath of God that is poured out upon this world during the tribulation period. So one of those angels takes John, the apostle, and says, John, I need you to come with me. I need to show you something. I need to let you see something. I want you to see another aspect of this tribulation period. It says, I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. This does not mean that this was an admirable sight, but this was a, a sight that, that it shocked John. He was, he was blown away. He was just amazed like there is no way this is happening. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. 
The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not, and yet is. Verse 9, and here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings, five are fallen. One is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. Father, I pray you'd speak to our hearts and uh, open our minds. And uh, I pray that our understanding, uh, Lord, would be helped. And I pray that you would give us wisdom. I pray that you give us discernment. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would show us things in your word uh, that we need. I pray that you'd help us to make applications that are necessary for our lives and for uh, our homes and for our marriages and for this church and for our country. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to have a, a greater burden for souls. I thank you for this dear missionary who's here tonight. I thank you for the vision that you have given to him and to his wife and their family to reach those dear people in the Philippines with the gospel. Lord, may we have a burden like that here. May we never be guilty of sending missionaries across the globe and failing to reach the people across the street. I pray that we would be moved with compassion. I pray that we would realize that the gospel is for every creature. And I pray that we would realize tonight that we have a responsibility to, to, to preach and to proclaim and to declare the good news while there's still time. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation 17, we find the judgment... Of Babylon. Now, Babylon in the Bible, in Revelation, is a, it's a picture, it's a description of the world system. You see, during the time of the tribulation, the Antichrist will come to power, and the Antichrist, he will have control of the kings. It, it looks like, from this chapter, it looks like there will be ten kings, uh, ten, uh, ten, uh, ten powers that will rule under and with the Antichrist, but he will rule the world during the tribulation period. You say, how is that possible? Because God allows it to happen. Uh, the Antichrist uh, is given control. The rapture takes place. The Christians are, are ushered out of here. And to God be the glory. It's going to be a wonderful time in heaven. But can I tell you, it's going to be a terrible time on this earth. And people will go through the tribulation. People that do not know Jesus Christ. People that have rejected the gospel. People that have said no to Jesus. They will endure these hardships and these tragedies and the atrocities that will take place in the tribulation. This is the judgment of Babylon. And the angel shows John this is what is going to happen. Verse number one. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore. The whore here is another name for a harlot. But this woman represents the false religion and the false religious systems of the world. Now, I'll be honest with you. There was a time when people would look at the different religions of the world and say, there is no way that all these religions are going to come together. Can I tell you? All religions are not the same. That would have been a great place to say amen. All religions are not the same. There are religions in this world that say that Jesus is not God. That's a false religion. 
There are religions in this world that say uh, you have to worship an idol or you have to uh, worship a, a, a dead God or you have to worship Buddha or you have to worship uh, uh, Allah or whatever. Those are not the same as the religion of the Bible. Those are not the same as Jehovah God, the creator of the universe that sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. By the way, there's only one way to heaven. Amen. It doesn't say Jesus is one way. He's a way, but it says he is the way. He is the only way to heaven. And so during the tribulation, the Antichrist with, with the power and the, the deception of Satan will cause the religions of the world to come together. I would have said 30 years ago or 40 years ago, boy, I don't see how that's going to happen. Welcome to 2023. You know what we're seeing now? We're seeing not just Protestant religions, and, 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 and as independent Baptists, we're not Protestant. We never came out of the Catholic Church. But, but we could see maybe we're Lutherans and Methodists and Presbyterians and Episcopalians, and some of those might unite. I could see that. But can I tell you, we're seeing Catholics. We're seeing uh, Muslims. We're seeing religions of the world and cults of the world that are throwing out what they believe for the sake of unity and for the sake of agreement. Now, friend, I'm all for unity. Unity is a wonderful thing, but you never sacrifice doctrine on the altar of unity. If you sacrifice doctrine, you've got nothing to unify. You've got nothing to unite. You've got no foundation to stand on. But during the tribulation, this whore, this harlot, this woman is a picture of the religions of the world that will come together and will unite. Now, in Revelation 17, we see Babylon, the world religious system, is in opposition to the church. By the way, the church is out. The church has already been, uh, been, been raptured out by the time of Revelation 17. But these false religions represent a harlot. They say, why in the world would God use this picture to describe the false religions? Well, what is a harlot? A harlot is a woman who prostitutes her body for hire. A harlot religion is a religion that forsakes God for personal gain. And that's exactly what will happen during the tribulation period. People will say, we don't really care about the truth. We just want something that's going to benefit us. Or how about this? We just want something that's going to make us feel good. Oh, that's scary. Because that's knocking on the door of where a lot of churches are today. That's knocking on the door of where a lot of uh, uh, quote-unquote Christian people would say, I'm really not interested in the truth. I just want to go somewhere where they're going to make me feel good. I just want to go somewhere where the preacher's not going to make me uncomfortable. I want to go somewhere where I can fit in. Friend, we want you to fit in, and we want you to be a part. And I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. But we are not throwing out doctrine and throwing out what the Bible says for the sake of having unity. We are uniting around what does the Bible say. And so that is why God uses this picture for the false religions, he uses the picture of a harlot. It's interesting, Isaiah 1, you don't have to turn there. But the Bible talks about the nation of Israel, talks about the city of Jerusalem. It says, how is the faithful city, 
become an harlot. It says in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse number 4, it says that God's people had forsaken the Lord. You see, in the Bible, uh, idolatry, worshiping idols, is often likened unto spiritual adultery. God had his people. He had uh, the nation of Israel that he, he viewed as his wife and that, that husband-wife relationship. By the way, in the New Testament, you have Jesus Christ. He's the bridegroom. The church is the bride of Christ. And we ought to be faithful to Jesus Christ. We ought to not forsake him, but we ought to hold to him. And we ought to stick with him because he is our Lord. He is our Savior and there is none other. We see in this passage in Revelation 17, we see the religions of the world come together. And we're going to call this, number one, we're going to call this apostasy. Apostasy is the abandonment of what one has professed. It is a departure from the faith. It is a departure from the truth. Proverbs 2, verse number 17, when the Bible describes a strange woman or a, or a harlot, it says that this woman forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. Can I tell you this apostasy is taking place in Revelation 17. The religions of the world have thrown out the truth. But I want to tell you this could happen to you. And this could happen to me. There are none of us that are exempt. If you say, Pastor, I love the Bible and I believe the Bible and I'm sticking with the Bible and I'm never going to change. I say, good, praise God for that. But you might, and I might. You know why? Because Satan's out to get you. Satan's out to deceive you. Satan is out to, 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 to sell you a bill of goods and to try to get you to throw out the truth and throw out what you believe in and, and throw out what the Bible says just in order for you to be comfortable. Apostasy could happen to any one of us. I don't believe that a decision to stay true to God is a one-time decision. I believe it's a daily decision. I believe you got to every morning get up and say, Lord, help me today. Keep me today. Protect me today. Keep me on track today. Because how many of you know the devil's out? He's out to destroy you. He would love to get you away from this book right here. I'll tell you why some people depart from the Bible. It's because it's been a long time since they've read it. Now think about that. You can say till you're blue in the face, I believe the Bible, I believe the Bible. The Bible's the word of God. But if you don't read it, I doubt you really believe it's the word of God. Because if you believe that this is the word of God that is uh, inspired and preserved and infallible and inerrant, you're going to say, I need it. I need to know what it says. I need to apply it to my life. My marriage depends upon this book. My family depends on this book. Uh, my spiritual well-being depends upon the word of God, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So we see that apostasy could happen to any one of us. That's why we must stay in love with God and stay in love with his word and stay in love with his house and stay in love with his work and stay in love with his people. Because if we don't, we could find ourselves drifting from the faith. I, on the radio this past week, we've been talking about prayer and I've been talking about the fact that in our prayer, we must learn to wait on God. Well, waiting is not something any of us like to do. We live in a society where everything is fast. Everything is, is right now. We want it yesterday. Um, and I've used the illustration before, but you know how it goes. You get in a line at a drive-thru 
And guess when it's going to take the longest? When you're in the biggest hurry and you're the hungriest. That's when it's going to take the longest. And your Christianity will be tested in the line at a drive-thru or at a restaurant when you're in a hurry and you're hungry and you're mad and you got to be somewhere and you don't want to wait. None of us want to wait. But can I tell you, when it comes to the things of God, you're going to have to wait. And when it comes to the truth of the Word of God, you're going to have to learn to say, hey, not everybody else may be doing it. Everybody else is in a hurry. Everybody's looking for the next best thing. But as for me, I'm going to stick with God. I'm going to stick with the Bible. I'm going to be faithful to God, not just for a, a short amount of time. But I want to be faithful to God for a lifetime. I want to be faithful to Him uh, until I breathe my last breath. And so we see during the tribulation, there will be this apostasy. It's the religions of the world. And notice what it says in verse number one. It is the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. The, the many waters represent the many nations. This is not going to be just uh, one nation. This isn't just uh, Russia, or this isn't just Israel, or, or, or just uh, uh, Greece. This is the nations of the world have partnered together with this woman, this religious system. And it says in verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth have made drunk with the wine of her fornication. It says, so he carried me away into the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having the seven heads and ten horns. That's where we know that this is uh, the, the Antichrist and the Antichrist kingdom because the revived Roman Empire, remember in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, we saw those different beasts. Uh, there is the, the lion and there's the leopard and there's the bear and then there's a terrible beast. That terrible beast uh, is the beast that has uh, those ten horns. And here we have the revived Roman Empire. Uh, the, 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 the Antichrist will, will, will take that region and from that region he will control the world during the tribulation. We see in verse number four, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself, number two, we see not only the apostasy, but number two, we see the associations. This harlot has made deals with and has committed sin and committed wickedness with the nations of the earth. It says in verse number two, the kings of the earth, uh, the inhabitants of the earth, uh, there will be political associations. By the way, things are already, this is June of 2023, and things are already heating up for the 2024 election. And can I just put out a little word of caution to all of us? Let's keep our eyes on the throne and not be so concerned with the White House. Now, I am concerned about the White House, and I'm going to vote, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to do all I can. But whatever happens in the 2024 election, I know who's still in charge and I know who I'm serving and I know that I'm still going to live for God and I'm still going to go to church and read my Bible and pray no matter who gets elected to be the president. But the, the, the politicians of the world, they will be controlled and they will be influenced by the religious system. It says in verse number three, this woman is sitting upon the beast. Well, if you're sitting upon a beast, that is usually a good indication that you are the one that's in control of that beast. Now, there are some exceptions. Like, for instance, if I'm sitting on a horse, that does not mean that I'm in control of that horse. 
And you say, how do you know that? Because I've been on a horse that I was not in control of. And, uh, and it didn't end well. But this woman at least thinks, the religious system thinks that they're in control. They think that they're calling the shots. They think that they've got power. Can I tell you, that sounds like sometimes the way we are. We get involved in stuff. We get involved with people. We get involved with dealings that we think we've got it under control. But I want to tell you, you and I are no match for that old devil. And don't you think that you've got control of your sin? And don't you think that you've got control uh, of a situation? You say, well, it's not pleasing to God, but I can stop it whenever I want to. I've talked to many, many a person who thought that was the case and found out the hard way that was not the case. You know, my, my, my drinking, I, I've got it all under control. Well, friend, I'm telling you, wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Maybe you're in a work situation and you think, well, nobody knows and I'm getting away with stealing from the company or I'm getting away with this practice that is not right and it's, it's, it's maybe even illegal or it's unethical and, and, and I've got it all under control. Uh, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. You're not in control. But Satan will make you believe you're in control. He'll make you think that you can say no at any time, but what you don't realize is that you are being led down a path of destruction. And there's going to come a point where you may not be able to get out of that. And I'm thankful God's made a way of escape, but can I tell you, that doesn't mean you go to the edge of the cliff and tempt God and test God. But I see the associations of this woman. It says in verse 7, it's the beast that carries this woman. It's this, this beast that helps this woman get to where she wants to go. But then it says in verse number 8, the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. This beast is none other than, than Satan himself who controls the Antichrist. The Bible says that the end of that beast will be perdition. That word perdition means utter destruction. I want to remind us tonight, not only and warn us about apostasy, departing from the faith, but I want to warn us secondly tonight about our associations. The Bible says, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Paul said it like this in Galatians. He said, ye did run well, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? You know why Paul asked that? Because normally when someone gets away from God, there's always a who. Maybe it's a friend at work. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a, a spouse. Maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Uh, maybe it's a, a, an old friend from back in your high school days. But usually there is a who. There is somebody that Satan will put in your life that can pull you away from God or pull you away from your family or pull you away from your marriage. The Bible says iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You know what we all need? We need some friends that will sharpen us. We need some friends that will help us. You need a friend that will look you in the eyes and say, that's not a good idea. But here's the problem. Most of us, we get so offended that we're not going to hang around a person like that because who do they think they are? Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who they might be. They might be the best friend you've ever had. If somebody will tell you the truth and somebody will love you enough to say, don't do this, don't go down this road. Hey, I, I, this is not going to be a good thing. You show me your friends and I'll show you what you are, what you soon shall become. 
these friends, these nations of the world, the Bible shows us in Revelation 17, they used this woman for their own gain. Be careful about people that only want to be your friend as long as they can get something out of you. And by the way, be careful that you are not that kind of a friend to somebody else. Be careful that, that you're not trying to say, well, hey, maybe if I spend time with this person, maybe I can get something out of them. Friend, as a, as a godly Christian friend, it ought to be your desire to say, I want to be with somebody because I want to help them. I want to encourage them. I want to strengthen them. Be very careful with the associations. The Antichrist was not interested in this woman. He was only interested in his own power, in his own achievement, in his own advancement. That's how Satan is. Satan will use you. Satan will abuse you. But aren't you glad we sang the song tonight? What a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is a friend that is there for you when you need him. Jesus is a friend that you can cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. The Bible talks about Samson in the Bible. Of course, we know the story of Samson and Delilah. We know the story of Samson and the Philistines. We know those stories. But there's a, a, a passage in the book of Judges where it says there was a man that Samson used as his friend. That person was only his friend as long as he could get something out of him. Friend, that's not the kind of person you want to hang around with, and that's not the kind of person that you ought to be. Let me take it a step further in our associations. My dad used to say this so much about the church, and I'm, I'm telling you it's 100% true. But as a church, Victory Baptist Church, we do not use people to build this ministry. Now, I understand. You say, well, we're all building the, the, the work of God and the kingdom of God, and I understand that. But here's what I'm saying. We don't use people to build this ministry. We use this ministry to build people. And if somebody comes in and somebody can contribute to the church, and so we say, oh, we're going to use them as long as they can help us and as long as they can advance us and as long as they can make us look good. But if they can't make us look good anymore, we don't need them anymore. Friend, that is a shame to the cause of Christ. Because aren't you glad that's not the way Jesus operates? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't take your life and say, I'm going to use you as long as I can get something out of you? I'm glad that wasn't Jesus' philosophy or none of us would be here today because he sure hadn't gotten much out of me. Tell you what he got when he saved me. He got a sinner that was wicked and rotten and without hope and on my way to hell, but I'm glad that Jesus took me and he did something in my life. He didn't take me for what I could do for him, but he took me for what he could do for me. And in our associations, may God help us not to use people for our own gain, but to, to use what we have to help people. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.